From the Mitchell Center to Coleman Coliseum, the Bartow and Trojan Arenas. From Veterans Memorial Stadium to Legion Field to Hancock-Whitney Stadium. With a combined 75 years of experience in the sports radio world, these guys have spent their professional lives roaming the stadiums and arenas that host your favorite teams. And now, they invite you to join them inside the press box. Get ready for Chris Stewart. Throws it out. Norris left alone. Corner three. Smoking hot. J.D. Byers. Three-step drop. Steps up. Looks. Swatted down. Set. Down he goes. Mike Grace. Curveball right back up the middle. They'll wave out and around third base. Slides into the dogs have won it. And the broadcasters, journalists, coaches, and game changers making today's news. <laughs> They're all here. Inside. The Press Box. Welcome to the Press Box Podcast. For my partners, Chris Stewart and J.D. Byers, I'm Mike Grace. What you're about to hear is just a slice of our Press Box radio show. Heard on great stations across Alabama and online 24-7 at PressBoxRadio.com. The show is our way of sharing with you the access we enjoy to a group of friends and colleagues who, like us, have the honor of working with and around the teams and the sports we all love. Today's guest, a very special and dear friend, Mike Moat, who worked with us for years out of Anniston, Alabama. He did all kinds of sorts of things with both Chris and myself, and uh, and JD for that matter, and just a fantastic guy. Great story. You'll want to listen to this very closely. It's our buddy uh, Mike Moat, who we knew back in the day, lived in Anniston. His new home, though, is Winston-Salem, North Carolina. It is. I've been here about four years. Um, it is uh, still in the south because you can get sweet tea here. Uh, thank oh, goodness. Birthplace uh, of Krispy Kreme, too. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and I've partaken of a few of those. Uh, I'm happy to say. But uh, we, uh, I love it here. Uh, I'm working for a really great company here, and I'm just uh, thrilled to be part of what I get to do on a regular basis. But uh, it's a little colder than I would like for it to be in the winters. But other than that, yeah. uh, we're we're okay. Well, Mike and and I have we talked about this. We work with you numerous times back in the day. One of the coolest things for me though was driving down the road and hearing your voice on an old ISP, then I guess it was already IMG when I heard you on there for the first time, but now it's part of the Learfield family as well, which I work for with the Crimson Tide Sports Network. So thrilled you got an opportunity to work with, with the national network because I told you your your work is has been worthy of that for a long, long time. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It is a thrill. Uh, started in the journey in 2006 with Troy and uh, – you know, those folks and Barry McKnight, how are you? You know, it was great uh, to visit <laughs> with him. Uh, he was, um, of course, before that, I got to work with Mike Grace on his uh, college football weekly broadcast. That was a fun year that it we was. got to do a lot of great games around the country. And yep. of course, prior to that, I did Super Six with you, Chris, when you were doing some of that. And uh, so I was well prepared for the opportunity that I eventually did get to work with ISP. And then of course, now it's Learfield IMG college. Yeah. And how nice it was for them to change that in the middle of basketball a couple of years ago. <laughs> I tell you and, what, uh, <laughs> it's easier to add IMG Mike 
than it was to drop the word sports from it. Because after True. doing the Learfield tag for years, going Learfield sports, it, I about broke my neck trying to stop talking after I said Learfield. Well, it wasn't you know, so hard the first couple of days of doing it because you were really conscientious about it. True. But along a game four or five, you get relaxed. Oh, then when you screw it up, that's when you screw it up because you forget. But yeah, it's it's been a fun um, you know ride for me. I I've actually worked in the studio some here, uh, not this year with COVID. Uh, you and I have one thing in common: we watch the games about the same way, and sometimes we see it about as good as each other does, <laughs> yes. depending on what ESPN decides to show you. But you are a hundred percent right, <laughs> and that so, is uh, that is a great segue into what's the amazing part of your story. Now you're you started. Um, like so many of us did doing local radio, local high school games Friday night. But, but your path is so dramatically different. We talked about this yesterday. You're one of the most, you're an incredibly talented broadcaster with no qualification needed for that. That's right. just who you are. But then you throw in the added element. Oh, by the way, Mike can't see. That is, and I'll tell you, how comfortable I am with you. And I texted Mike and JD and told him we're, we're on this Zoom call for our radio <laughs> listeners. We're on a Zoom call. We're sitting here looking at the, the the four of us here. Hell, Mike, I waved at you when we got on the Zoom. That didn't do any good. Hey, didn't really. Uh, I, I, I was going to wave back, but I didn't see you. Yeah, so, I understand. Uh, but, you know, I've always been one of those people who have said I – I've worked at the job I work at and I just happen to be blind instead of I'm a blind person that works. I just really believe there's a difference. We were never taught as kids when we were parents. I think this starts when I was a child. We just never were told that we were different. We were motivated to be the same. We were uh, educated in mainstream schools. Yes, there was a blind school in Alabama and they do wonderful things. Uh, I work for a blind organization now. We do a lot of great things for folks who, who need that and but we were taught and, uh, t you know, were able to go to classes with our sighted counterparts because our parents knew that things were so much, you know, was going to be tough for us in life if we didn't have the ability to interact with people who could see because they knew that was something that we were going to deal with. And I loved sports from a very early age. I followed sports. I knew stats. Uh, I, re I remembered a lot of things. I, um, I can remember when I was a child on Friday nights, I'd go home and write scores down. That was just my thing. I mean, some people went out and partied. I went out and, you know, wrote down high school football scores, go figure. But that's what you do when you love something. You just, you're, you have a passion for it. And so I used that as I went through college and graduated with a degree in communications from JSU and Northeast Alabama, Jacksonville state. And uh, they gave me a wonderful opportunity to do stuff there. And of course I, went on into local radio, as you said, and all of that was a, you know, preparation for what has been part of my career. I do broadcasting on the side now. It's not my full-time job, but it is my hobby. And I truly enjoy uh, of doing it and keeping my, uh, my hands in it. And Hey, if I, if you're going to watch sports on the weekends, you might as well get paid to broadcast it. That's the way I look at it. And that's Mike what I get Mode. to do. Mike Mode is our guest. Um, Mike, I'm just going to tell you straight up. I, I, by the time you were part of a, like a statewide deal and you were, you know, top to bottom, 
and you were working with Mike Grace, et cetera. It was over 10 years later that somebody mentioned to me you were vision impaired. And I'm like, are you kidding? I had no idea. Uh, but I wanted to bring up because we're, we're all broadcasters here, and that's kind of what makes this show a little different and unique that we give a perspective of a broadcaster's point of view is that as predominantly radio broadcasters, regardless of what we're doing, we have to almost treat or act like any of our listeners are vision impaired because they could be driving down the road and see the road signs and do all that, but they can't see the game. And we have to be as descriptive, and that probably means a lot more to you because sometimes we, uh, with sight, take that for granted that we don't have to be as descriptive. But if we approached it with the fact that, you know, you can't see the game, we have to be descriptive. Well, if you're doing the right things on the radio, you're painting a picture. You're, I always look at a broadcast as a work of art. Uh, it is a, you've got a canvas in front of you and your colors that you're going to use are going to be your words that you're, it's, you're painting with. Uh, and for Chris, you're the that's, one. Chris, that's crayons for you, by the way. Just Thank you. Uh, okay. Yes. Crayola. Uh, is his favorite. But uh, I would say that, you know, based on the type of broadcast you do is going to depend on the picture you paint and the kind of quality it's going to be. Um, because you do have to describe and make sure that people know what's going on. And uh, a lot of TV broadcasts, especially if I, if I catch it in the middle of the game and I don't start from the beginning, it's really hard to follow because he'll never give the blame score and it's hard. And I'm not critical of anyone because they're probably flashing it on the bottom of the screen and, you know, people who have sight can read it and that's good. But, uh, you know, now there are audio description movies and shows and all sorts of things that they do develop now for the visually impaired and for the blind. I mean, last year, the Macy's parade, for instance, for the first time ever was there was an audio description track that you could listen to as the parade was going on. And that added a lot to it. I actually enjoyed that. And just because I wanted to see what it was like. Uh, so there's things like that, but sports is not really able to do that because it's a moving target. So much is happening, but yes, broadcasting on the radio requires you to be very descriptive. And I must say, Chris does a wonderful job. And so do you JD and Mike as well. Mike, I've talked to him yesterday for a good while. I listened to the bowl game this year in Mobile and really loved the broadcast because they just did a great job of bringing the action to you. And those guys I tend to listen to a lot more than, than others. Uh, Mike and I, again, as we chatted yesterday, we were reminiscing about the, the good old days. We talked about our super six days or, and again, this is back when, you know, all of us, uh, the, the group that we included Ray Hammett included John Holder included Brad law. Um, we would meet in Birmingham and and just had some great memories and some great stories. I'm trying to decide, Mike, which is the best one and which is the appropriate one for 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 on air. Yeah, be careful with the appropriate. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I do remember this. I do remember that each and every year uh, after the Friday night games that we would typically have two, three games, what two games on on Thursday, two games on uh, Friday, two games on Saturday. Friday night we would go to Outback. And yes. would literally call out back there, and say, "Hey, we're coming. Hang in there." There was a reason for that too, and if I if I may, and, I, and not to offend anyone, but the reason, one of the main reasons we did that, 
is a we wanted to kind of celebrate the week and you know the hard work of everybody but the other reason is everybody that was in the print media ate all the food in the praise press box we didn't get any right. yeah. we were starving by the end of the broadcast that that sounds accurate <laughs> so you know and you would smell it all day all day it was just something else it, it really was uh but it was a fun those days and those uh memories i will never forget it was just unbelievable uh the stuff that we got to do and so so thrilled and you know meant a lot to me to, to be a part of it for real it was just a great time of my life and i will never forget it and i use a lot of the stuff i learned back in those days you know cutting my teeth on learning how to do broadcasting and doing it the right way learning from some of the best in the business to do what i do now one of the my favorite moments was um we had done this season for the old Alabama radio network. We'd done the school board show on Friday night. And we also had the rights for the state championship games on the super six. And we broadcast those and you are our on-site host for those right. as you are, as you are now on the college stuff, but, but sitting there in the booth with you and in knowing that you were seeing the game through, my description or Ryan Brown's or Mike's or whoever was doing the play-by-play because we had different guys doing those. And then your recollection of what had transpired and then your analysis based on our play-by-play was to me, was to me amazing. But again, like you said, Mike, that's just, that's basically how you have truly watched games for lack of a better description your entire life, you did have sight as a baby. Is that right? Or as a small no, child? Never have had sight before. I've been blind I'm since sorry. birth. I've, I'm sorry. I've been blind I, was since birth. That I was having you confused with someone else. It's a friend of mine that, that okay. had that at a very young age and then, then lost sight. So, so this I, is the world you've always experienced then. And I, and I believe that's, if it makes any sense to anyone, it, it worked to my advantage that it was that way. I've never known anything else. Uh, yeah. Being blind is my, is what I am. It's not changed. There's so many folks we deal with now in the work that I do now, and uh, I I want to give an opportunity to get an opportunity here in a second to tell you what I'm doing because I think it's truly important. But one of the things that we do is help people who are making that transition from losing their vision to going blind, and it's very difficult. You truly face a crossroads. Uh, Chris, I think you could probably identify with that a little bit with the situation you, you've been through. Just thinking that, um, you know, so a lot of folks struggle with that. And I can understand why, because they're having to change everything that they do in the way that they do things. For me, it's been a little easier because I have not had to worry about that. I just know one way. And, you know, I listened to what you said and uh, could paint my own picture. Uh, now I'm a little older, so I can't remember as good. So during our games, I usually uh, make notes and write a narrative and look at stats. And of course, I have so much more available to me with technology and, you know, the stuff it's provided us these days. Um, so I'm able to do a better job of broadcasting and uh, giving the folks what they what they want. You know, social media and everything gives you a lot of information that fans didn't have when we were doing this back in the day. But now. Uh, you can give them other things, that, but you better be accurate. And so that's my responsibility now as a broadcaster to do that. 
Mike Moat visiting with us. Mike, we got about four minutes until a commercial break, and then we'll have another 10-minute segment. Would you be willing to stay with us through the, through the break? And, sure, and absolutely. Well then, absolutely. Good. well, then let's, let's get into, the, the, again, about three and a half minutes now. Tell us about, is it IFB Solutions? That you're working for? That is for? correct. Yeah. Uh, work for IFB Solutions. We are the largest employer of blind and visually impaired people in the country. I've been working with them since 2012, and I actually started in Montgomery, Alabama. Hello to you folks. Um, lived there for a few years. I worked on a contract there as a call center a quality analyst. I never done QA in my life, uh, but that's my start. Uh, and about two years later, they asked me to come and be their manager of assistive technology, which is the stuff I use now, uh, things like uh, the screen reader that I use, the um, uh, low vision aids, things like that. So we kind of implement that into their working environment so that they can be as productive as their sighted counterparts. And uh, so they asked me to do that. And I asked, I told them, I said, well, I don't know everything, but I know enough to be dangerous. They said, well, you can do it. So let's go. And so for the first year doing that, that was a, a eye-opening experience. Par- pardon the pun, if you will. <laughs> But learned a lot, and uh, this year we've had a really you know good year. I've I've moved up here to be our manager of accessibility and workforce development, and I love doing what I do because it gives a, a opportunity to people uh, who wouldn't have it otherwise, and I'm able to share my experiences. Hey, this can be done. You can do this, um, and I speak to people all the time, and I say, you know. I wouldn't wish being blind on anybody, but if you have to be blind, now's the best time ever because we have so much that we can utilize to our advantage with the development of technology, with smart speakers and uh, talking devices of all shapes and sizes and things you can do with your computer, your smartphones, and uh, I use it all and I can help people implement that into their lives. And so it improves their quality of life. It allows them to work, prepare uh, for, you know, do things, buy houses, and live, and support their families, and it's just a wonderful thing to be a part of. I know this, going back, um, whatever quality or caliber play-by-play guy I am, I'm I'm better because of Mike Moat, because of the times that we would spend together, and, and I would be able to turn around during commercial breaks and say, Mike, how, how am I doing? You, you, you Can you see what, what's going on? And Mike's feedback and input helped make me uh, do a better job at what I do. And and so you you tell yourself, Mike, you watch the games just like we do, right? Exactly. And I'm only going to get as much out of it as you guys give me. Um, for instance, the other night, I learned that Doug Shouse was ambidextrous because he threw one guy out with one hand and threw one guy out with the other. Uh, one of the best lines I have heard. But uh, And I love, uh, you could tell your broadcast part of this Chris but Brian Pasek when there's a bad call Brian's response is oh, oh it's like it's somebody's it's somebody's like punched him in the gut oh, every time oh, it's no. so funny um, but you can get information based and I don't listen to certain broadcasters for that reason we won't name any names here Thank but, you. The, yep. but the bulk of the ones I've worked with yep. uh, they get it they understand the art of painting a picture. You don't have to be an artist to understand that, but you do need to be a word artist if you're going to be a broadcaster all because right. that's all you got. That's it. Dear friend Mike Moat visiting with us here inside the Pressbox podcast. Find our daily radio show just visit pressboxradio.com. Check the affiliates page there to find the station nearest you, the episodes page to hear the show on demand, or simply press the listen button to hear the Pressbox anytime 24/7. On social media we're Pressbox Radio 1 That's Pressbox Radio and the number one. 
and we'd love to hear from you. So shoot us an email anytime at theguys at pressboxradio.com. Simply theguys at pressboxradio.com. Until next time, for my partners Chris Stewart and J.D. Byers, I'm Mike Grace, thanking you for joining us here inside the Press Box.